something a little different this morning. You know, all of us have a cell phone nowadays, or most of us do, and uh, to me, a cell phone is really an example of how uh, you can send words around the world, although you can't even imagine how it's happening, and yet people are hearing. And to me, it's a great example of prayer, that God in heaven hears our prayers. And so if you have a request or something you want to pray about, and you feel like you want to pray with somebody, why don't you just gather, and we're going to pray for the next couple of minutes. If you just want to pray on your own, let your request go to God. Jesus said when we gather, this is the house of prayer. This is a place where God hears and answers our prayer. We've been praying about the presence of God. He's here right with us, and he wants to hear the things that you want to pray about. Just take a few minutes right now. If you want to get in a group or pray by yourself, get comfortable. Lord, we just thank you this morning that you're here, and you're here to hear our prayers. Your ears are open and you respond to the requests of your people. Lord, nothing is too big or too small for you to answer. We pray against unbelief and doubt. We pray against discouragement. We pray against everything that comes against our prayers. We thank you for faith that you've given us, Lord, that we can pray and talk to you at any time of day or night, in any moment from our hearts, with our voice, or from the place of silence in our heart, that you are hearing us. Thank you, Jesus, that you're here today. We pray that you move powerfully. People need miracles here today. There are people who need healing, Lord Jesus, that we've been praying about and praying for. Move powerfully, Lord, to bring healing to people today. Show yourself strong. Lord, we pray, Lord, that we have ears to hear what you're saying to us personally, that you would speak to us and encourage us. We pray that faith would be increased today and encouraged in people's lives. We pray that strongholds would be broken. Discouragement would go away. We're praying that people would receive vision for their future, help on their jobs, wisdom in their finances, breakthroughs in their finances. We pray for all those things, Jesus. We pray for the renewing of our minds, God, that you would break off traumatic events and strongholds and things that have happened to us. We pray for family members and people who need to be saved that we loved. Lord, there are loved ones and you died on the cross for them. And we're praying in the name of Jesus that they would come to salvation even today as we gather. We lift them up to you, Lord. We have their names on our heart. They're on our breath, God, that you would bring answers, that you would bring them into your kingdom. Move, O God. We pray for our young people that are here today that you, Jesus, would call them even as you call the little children. And they would feel you tugging on their heart, Lord, and they'd begin to respond in a relationship to you, that you, Jesus, are the shepherd of children. You're the one that reaches out. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. We pray for people who have had long-time back injuries and are struggling with different things, that you would bring healing to their bodies, no matter what the doctors have said, no matter what diagnosis that we've had. Oh, God, you are a healer. You can manifest healing and, and really the physical physical conditions, uh, the things that would show up on x-rays could remain the same. But you are the healer that you supernaturally move on our bodies. You bring physical health because when on the, when you were beaten with by stripes, when you were whipped on your back, it was for the healing of people. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah, Lord Jesus. Thank you for your close presence. Thank you, Jesus. Oh God, people need supernatural strength and energy today. They need strength in their heart, strength in their spirit to keep following you. Lord, we pray you'd break off discouragement off of people. We pray you'd break the attack of the enemy off of people who would try to discourage them in their faith. We pray for those who feel like unbelief is trying to take them over. We pray for encouragement, Lord Jesus. Those who have gone through grief and mourning, God, bring them through the valley of the shadow of death that they might experience, Lord, the joy returning to them. 
Lord, you know the prayers going up for loved ones who have been sick or going through different treatments, God, that you're hearing, you're moving, God, on their physical bodies. You're moving on the spiritual lives, God. You're moving to restore and strengthen them, God. Children that are away, people in school, distant relatives, Lord Jesus. You hear our prayers. Lord, you hear the cry of our heart. Lord, you understand that our prayers are powerful, moving your hands to move in situations for us. Thank you, Jesus. People are in new situations today. They're doing new things. God, they need strength and encouragement. They need help and hope. There are people who have just begun a walk with you, God, and you need to keep revealing yourself as they're walking this faith walk. I just thank you, Jesus, for what you're going to do and the answers are going to unfold today because we made this, your house, a house of prayer. We thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. I want to invite all of you, if you possibly can, to come here Wednesday night for our one-hour Thrive service. We're going to do something that we've never done before, very unusual. We're going to have our 20 minutes of worship, and then the next 40 minutes, we are going to personally take time, each one of us, individually with the Lord. Bring your Bible, bring your journal, if you're one who journals, and if you don't journal, bring a pad of paper, bring something you can write on, bring some binder paper, whatever, because we believe God is going to speak to you. I know it's unusual in our day and age when we always have the TV on, the cell phone, music. We always have headphones in our ears. The phone, the phone is in our hands. We're constantly being distracted. But we want you to turn off your phones that night. We want you to, to set yourself up to be listening, to hear God. God will speak. When we take time with God, especially when we put away distractions and we gather together, there's an amplified presence of God to meet us and to speak to us. And I believe all of us are going to go away changed and we're going to have things that we could share with each other of how God is speaking to us. I read this uh, to a Thrive a couple weeks ago. I wanted to just read it again. This is from the book of the pastor written by Eugene Peterson. He also wrote the message. And he, a lady in this congregation, uh, he's, having this, he's talking about what she said to him. Eugene said, I asked Claire what the most difficult thing was for her in the service of worship. The silence, Claire answered. You say, let us pray, and then you don't say anything for maybe 20 or 30 seconds, but it seems forever. I couldn't handle the silence. I get so all anxious and fidgety, I almost quit coming. I was so uncomfortable. Then after a couple of months, I calmed down. Then I started liking it, the silence. And now when you start praying, I say, oh, inwardly, oh, no, not yet, Pastor. I'm not ready yet. I guess I thought that worship was something I had to do or it was something that you were doing. It was in worship that I became quiet and listening and present before God for the first time in my life. And the silence was my way in. It's our hope and belief that God is going to help us learn how to keep connecting with God by just taking that time of silence Again, there are so many distractions, and I believe that the world and how the devil uses the world, he uses so many distractions in our life to keep us from being quiet and listening to the Lord. It is our spirit for which we connect with God. When we receive Jesus, our spirit becomes alive and we're born again. And that is that, that just like the dish receives signals, our heart is that dish that comes alive. Our spirit comes alive so we can hear God when we receive Jesus Christ. And it is what we're rec- exercising when we come And we spend time just waiting on God, listening. When you take your time in prayer at home or whatever time, day or night, when you choose that time to have your quiet time with the Lord, it is that time where your spirit begins to be sensitized and begins to be exercised and open to receive what God would say to you. It's that interaction and communion with the Holy Spirit that God speaks to us. 
The Bible tells us that the Godhead, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, lives inside of us through Jesus Christ. And so we are always, we always have the opportunity to tune in to the Lord. So hopefully you'll all come and be there. And if there's someone that's not here today that you thought they might like this, invite them. <clears throat> okay, this is week four. <clears throat> I hope you're not getting tired of my message about the inheritance. We've been talking about inheritance with the Lord, that when we are born again, we receive just this whole new destiny, this whole new uh, heritage through Jesus Christ, that he comes and he speaks to us the promises about eternal life, about salvation in him, about we have someone now with us all the time living inside of us, that this is part of what we inherit. And we talked a little bit about, you know, sometimes many many of you that have, have experienced inheritances, uh, we know just who you look like as part of your DNA and the heritage from your family line. But there's specific inheritances in Christ that the Bible reveals to us that he gives us things. We talked last week about heaven. That We, use, we talked about the different places where the Bible talks about heaven. It talks about different people going to heaven. Then we gave some practical things that we heard today of people who had eyewitness uh, uh, things as Christians, that they died and had these experiences about heaven, that when you die as a Christian, your body, you leave your body and you, you go right into the presence of God and you're with Christ. And so all these things are to just show us some of the inheritances that we have. We want to talk about inheritance today, again, about the Holy Spirit in us and really to get into a little bit about spiritual gifts that are part of our inheritance as believers. Our key verse today is Acts twenty thirty two. Paul says, So now, brethren, I commend you to God and the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and give you an inheritance among all those who are sanctified. It is the word of God that continues bring to brings to us an eternal inheritance that is ours. Things that are unfolding now as Christians and believers, but things that we are going to receive in eternity. And as we walk with God through an eternity and through him building a new heaven and a new earth and reigning on earth, that we're going to see that our life and the things that we do now are part of something that's going to unfold for all eternity. And it's hard for us to really conceive of eternity because we live in a temporal world. And some of you who are young, you may think like, man, eternity, that's a far way off. Or even being an old person, oh, that's far way off. But I tell you, it comes quick. You go into your 20s and then before you know it, you're 60. That's just the way it happens. So for us to focus on our eternal inheritance is great because it It just begins to open up another greater destiny and a greater future that we have because of our spiritual nature. So the Word of God shows us it's Jesus' Word. It's it's the written Word, His will, written to us so that we know what's ours. The Word of His grace is God's ability that gives us our inheritance. The more we know what Christ's will says to us, the more we know Him and what He has given to us. So, Reading the Bible, it's not something you should just come to Sunday because I give you a lot of scripture, but it's something you should be excited to read on your own, that you come to know what God wants to say to you and the promises he wants you to receive. The Holy Spirit, he lives in us, and that's inheritance inheritance living in us. In Colossians 1, verses 26 and 27, Paul tells us, the mystery which has been hidden from ages and from generations, but now has been revealed to his saints. That's believers. That's us. To them, God willed to make known what are the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. 
Jesus is probably the most powerful inheritance that you have living inside of you. He comes and lives inside you. The moment you receive Jesus, the moment you acknowledge him, the moment you say, I'm a sinner, I need my sins forgiven, and I know you went to the cross for my sins, past, present, and future, I receive you. Your spirit is made alive, and Jesus comes to live inside of you. It doesn't matter whether you feel it or not. It becomes an act of faith. But there are times since you make that decision where God's Spirit manifests Himself to you beyond all recognition, beyond your feelings and your emotions and desires and anything natural, where you are so aware that, yes, Jesus is with me. Yes, this born-again thing that I did, this accepting of Jesus, is the most real thing I've ever done. And it is those profound moments that God, again, uh, he, he gives you a sign to your natural man and to your emotions that God is with you and you have received him and he is alive and you are not alone. In Ephesians 1, 13 and 14, Paul writes this, In him, in Jesus Christ, you also trusted after you heard the word of truth. Again, we hear the message of the gospel and we respond to it. After you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom you also, having believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession to the praise of his glory. That means someday we're going to go be with the Lord and we're not going to deal with doubt, unbelief, fear, anxiety, trouble, worry, nothing, because we're going to be with Christ forever. But right now, we have a guarantee that we have an incredible inheritance of eternal life. We have peace with God. We don't need to fear anything, even though we go through situations where fear comes up. It is in those moments that we begin to cast those fears over on God, and we grab hold of the anxiety that would, uh, would, would possess us, and we throw it off so that we can walk in faith above our circumstances. And when we press into things that we're anxious about, we find that the grace of God is turned on inside of our lives to help us cope and compensate with whatever we're facing. That is the Holy Spirit's guarantee living inside of us. And we have to believe that. Our feelings and our circumstances will always challenge that we have that inheritance, that there's been a, a sealing of the Holy Spirit in our lives and we have inheritance in us. And so it takes your faith to rise above the things that would affect your feelings. God gives each person, each one of us, an individual inheritance. It's not like, you know, we read the story like, um, like Jacob and Esau where, you know, Jacob sneaks around and gets, the fir- gets Esau's first, you know, being the firstborn, get his blessing. It's like no one's going to rob you of God's spiritual blessing for you. You each have a unique inheritance, especially assigned from God, given by the Holy Spirit for you. In Psalms 47.2, it says that God, he will choose our inheritance for us. The excellence of Jacob, whom he loves. And we know Jacob was our ancestor spiritually, was passed down through Abraham. It was through him and through Jesus finally coming in that family line where we could all have an eternal spiritual inheritance of being returned back to God and really having overcoming life that he promises to all of us. In 2 Corinthians 4, 7, Paul wrote this, We have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. Again, Jesus is that incredible treasure of our inheritance inside of us. It is the presence and power of God in us that causes us to overcome and keep growing spiritually and keep growing, keep growing in wisdom and understanding beyond our natural circumstances and the things that we're going through. When the Holy Spirit reveals Jesus to us, we begin to discover 
our inheritance. The next part is about serving. Serving Jesus is probably a great thing. Jesus was the greatest servant that ever came to earth. And so part of our inheritance is Jesus gives us gifts and things that we can use, that we can serve him and serve each other and serve the unsaved and serve the lost in hopes that they will turn to Christ because of seeing the goodness of God through us and through us serving. And really serving in this day and age and the things that Jesus asks us are totally contrary because we live in an entire society. We live in generations where people are saying, you owe me, and there's an expectancy to be given everything, and there's probably less serving than ever before. But it's in the church, in the body of Christ, where we come back to the basics that we learn how to serve God and serve each other. And we have a new meaning and understanding of what serving means and how it really influences our lives and brings the blessing of God into our lives about giving to other people and giving back to God. In Colossians 3.24, Paul tells us, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the reward of the inheritance, for you serve the Lord Christ. You can't give out, I'll give God. And so even as you begin to respond, when you first come to Christ, you begin to respond in prayer, you begin to respond in heart worship, you're starting this interaction with God, which creates this humility and this love of God coming into us, and it breaks out from us into service and serving God. There's a humility that sweeps over us when we just want to serve God because we're feeling so much of His love and we're seeing the blessings of God that are in our life. I want to talk about inheritance of ministry. I feel like it's probably the greatest purpose in our life. Most of us spend a lot of our life in our early years figuring out what we're going to do with our life. What is my destiny? What what am I called in this natural world to do? What's my career going to be like? And some of us are frustrated a lot of our lives trying to figure that out. And some of us find it and we start going after it, whether we go to school or we go into some kind of uh, training or apprenticeship program. We find that we, we find this niche or this destiny. But oh, there's something greater. God has a call for us. God has a destiny. God has a destiny he puts in our hearts that far outreaches and far surpasses the things that we do to earn a living and to have some kind of feeling of purpose in our lives by the things that we have to do to earn our money. And it's the call of God. And the, I just looked up the definition this morning. In Galatians 1.6, in, uh, in the Spirit, New Spirit-filled King James Bible, it says, uh, says this. Called is to invite, to be invited or to be summoned. Called is especially used of God's call to participate in the blessings of the kingdom. Disciples are either invited or like Paul, he got summoned. We know when he got knocked off the horse, it was almost like he didn't have a choice. You know, and it's interesting how God deals with each one of us. Some of us are the love of God, we're summoned, and some of us is out of such a desire and compulsion of God that we are apprehended by him to serve him in, 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 a, in more of a spiritual purpose in our life. I'd like to talk about Abraham first in Hebrews 11.8. He's called faithful Abraham. And it says about him, that it was by faith that Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to the place which he would receive as an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. And I think it's a little scary for us to begin to grow in God, to begin to understand about spiritual gifts and an inheritance through spiritual gifts and feel like God wants to step out and do different things, but we feel nervous. I remember as a young adult when really 
you know, I, I accepted the Lord at eight years old, but really it was when I started in my 20s, I started getting on fire for God. I got baptized in the Holy Spirit. I wanted to, to use my life in whatever way I could. I remember just being at a prayer meeting on a Saturday night and just, you know, knowing this juvenile hall ministry was going on and somehow wanting to be able to get initiated in that. And I just, I just was saying, God, if, if, if you want me, if you're going to open that door for me, just help the pastor over that. It was Eric Smith that time. He was an elder in our church and he was doing the juvenile hall ministry. And after it was over, he came in and just invited me. And from that Saturday night, he invited me to juvenile hall. I, was, I went there every Sunday for 10 years. And it was like, it was scary. I was thinking like, this is scary. I'm going in to this locked up place and I'm going to talk to young people. And I'm not sure exactly what God's going to do with my life. But taking that first step, there was a grace of God that came on my life. There was a grace of God that began to shape and, and develop ministry in me that was spiritual. And sometimes when we start doing spiritual ministry, it's so different than our natural life. It's so different than the things we're used to. But as we step out in that place, we begin to see God move through us in ways that are so fulfilling and powerful. We begin to see ourselves in a different way. And actually, we kind of step away from ourselves and we see God use us. We see the love of God come into our heart for people and, and situations. I remember, you know, just even talking uh, to young people. And man, I wasn't there very much older than some of these young people who were in juvenile hall, but just even, though, even those moments when I would set a time aside to listen to them and talk to them, that God would give me a heart. God would give me wisdom and give me the ability to pray for them and their needs as, as they unfolded them. I think of what Saul in 1 Samuel 10, 1. Then Samuel took a flask of oil and poured it on Saul's head and kissed him and said, it is, is it not because the Lord has anointed you commander over his inheritance. You know, when we accept Christ, the Holy Spirit comes on us. As we begin to seek God and begin to ask God, what do you want me to do? I'm a Christian. What are the gifts that are for me? We begin to inquire of God in that manner. You know, the Holy Spirit baptizes us with his presence. There's an anointing that comes over us for those gifts that the Holy Spirit gives us, (coughs) excuse me, (coughs) to use our gifts. And it's, an, it's a powerful thing. <clears throat> what about David? In Psalm 78.1, <clears throat> the Lord chose David. From following the ewes that had young, he brought him to be a shepherd to Jacob, his people, and to Israel, his inheritance. <clears throat> I remember sitting at Christian Community Church way back in the 80s, before I was an elder, before I was anyone, and God, the Holy Spirit, made this scripture alive to me, saying, Bruce, I've called you from the way you've lived, from seclusion, from independence, from uh, just hiding out, that I'm going to make you a shepherd. And I remember writing it down. I can't tell you what the pastor spoke about that morning, but the Holy Spirit spoke. That's why I love even when we get together and worship because God will speak to you. Maybe different than anything I'm saying, but the Holy Spirit will speak because you're here in God's presence. <clears throat> Thank you. What about Paul the Apostle? In Romans 1.1, 1, 1, Paul speaks about himself and he speaks to us. Paul, a bondservant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle. So here again, he's 
he's declaring his call as a bondservant. He's kind of telling us again about he was summoned. He was apprehended. He was selected. He was chosen to follow the Lord as an apostle. He was separated to the gospel of God. You know, a bondservant is someone, that's, a, that's a quite a, a binding a calling, a bondservant. It seems like there's a lot of limitations on a bondservant except to be a bondservant of Jesus Christ is so enwrapped, wrapped up in his love for us and the passion he gives us to do what he's calling us to do. Some of you are called as servants. Some of you have mercy gifts. That's one of the greatest calls in the body of Christ is to have a heart for people, to minister to the, those in need and to open yourself up and to care for other people. Call is also an, an endowment it's an incredible inheritance from Jesus Christ. Separated. It's a powerful work that the Word of God has. The gospel has this ability to separate us, to cut us out of what we were doing, to dare to do something that is beyond ourselves, especially something in the spiritual nature. I know for us, when we came down here to start this church 19 years ago, it felt totally, we felt totally disconnected. We felt like, what are we doing? You know, God orchestrated everything to change so fast, selling our house, quitting my job, everything, our kids graduating school. But then to come down here, there was just some moments before things started happening where we were wondering, what are you doing? When God calls you into something, when he calls you into your gifts, he separates you into this place where you literally have to stand on him. You have to depend on your faith in him. And it feels a little nervous. It feels a little scary. But it, he always comes through, especially using when you're using your gifts and you're stepping out in those places. Do you know that you have been called just as powerful as Paul's calling or David or Abraham? You're, you have a calling. You have something that God wants you to do. You have something that's bigger than anything you're doing now or could even imagine to do. It's something that is life-changing. It's something that's lasting. It's eternal. It's not something that will just be short-termed or you know, give you a temporary fulfillment, but it's something that's going to affect you and others for all eternity. In Romans 1, 5 through 6, Paul tells us, through him, through Jesus Christ, we have received grace, God's ability and apostleship for obedience to the faith among the nations, for his name, among whom you also are the called of Jesus Christ. Again, the equality of Paul's calling is equal to us who are in Jesus Christ. It's a confirmation of spiritual inheritance and spiritual gifts that the Holy Spirit gives us. Spiritual gifts are inheritance. Spiritual gifts manifest through our reborn spirit in Christ. And it's because we're born again spiritually there's this whole destiny that lies dormant inside of us if we don't stir it up by actively pursuing our relationship with God and reading the Word of God. In Ephesians 4, 11-16, Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. I just want to give you a quick... Def, quick definitions. First one was the apostles. An apostle 
in apostolic days referred to a select group chosen to carry out directly the ministry of Christ, including the assigned task given to a few to complete the sacred canon of the Holy Scriptures. You know, we came from an, a, a church that was apostolic. Ernest Gentile was apostolic. He started a number of churches, reached out and started works in um, uh, Brazil. But it was that apostolic thing on him that caused us to be sent out. And that, that's part of like that sending thing that God does with the, the gift of being apostle, an apostle. What about prophets? A spiritually mature spokesman, a proclaimer with a special divinely focused message to the church or the world. And the prophetic ministry or the office of a prophet that, is, that Paul's speaking of in Ephesians here is that gift to be that mouthpiece for God. It's different than prophecy that all, we can all get because we have the Holy Spirit to get a word. But different people as they're growing in God and they're growing in their spiritual life and they're growing in their maturity, they, if they have a prophetic gift like that, if they're called to be a prophet, it could arise up and have a different place in their ministry or in their life. And it'll, it'll become more evident. What about the evangelist? The evangelist refers primarily to a special gift of preaching or witnessing in a way that brings unbelievers into the experience of salvation. You know, we've all had Jack Willis. We've seen him operate. And if you're with him, even in not in a church service, if he sees somebody, he whips out his card and he's giving him that card that says life. And then you flip it over, it says death. And he's sharing, he always shares Jesus Christ with people. And it's just part of a natural thing he does as his gift as an evangelist. He's always looking for someone that he can witness to about Jesus. And you may be one of those persons like, yeah, you know, there's something in me since I accept the Lord. I really have this desire to share Jesus with people. Teachers. Uh, some people have gift mixes. I think I'm more like a pastor, teacher, or the word of God comes, you know, I study the word, try to bring the word, trying to get words that the Holy Spirit gives me. In fact, I was driving home the other day and I felt God, the Holy Spirit dropped in the next word for the next things I was supposed to talk about. And I love that part of the calling. When God calls us, he qualifies us. God, God uses us in ways where it's comfortable. And when you start discovering and using your gifts, you find that you, you're a lot closer to the Lord because you're working with him. And if you've ever worked with someone, maybe someone taught you something and uh, maybe they taught you about your job or showed you something that helped develop your career. And there's a bond that you have with this person when you're working with them. And it's that same thing that the Holy Spirit, that Jesus himself wants to develop this bond with you. As you use your gift, it's going to endear you more to him. It's going to create a greater connection in your relationship with Jesus because you're actually serving him by using your gift. It says also that he's given these fivefold ministries to equip his people for the works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. It's all about building people spiritually. The church is a place where people can gather so they can grow. We go to school to learn so we can develop, so we can go out and earn a living, get a career. The church is to keep building you spiritually, to keep causing you to grow in your relationship with God so that you can grow and mature, that you can add your gifts in the body, but also use your gifts out of the body. 
but there's the strength that we derive from each other so that we serve the body locally, but we serve in building the body and bringing people in to cause there to be this growing of the body of Christ worldwide. And the local church is the place where this all happens. It says that the word equipping implies a recovered wholeness as when a broken limb is set and mended, a discovered function as when physical member is properly operating. The work of ministry is the enterprise of each member of the body of Christ and not the exclusive charge of select leaders. It just shows the importance that part of this thing that God's doing in us and equipping us is to real heal us. But our true healing comes as our spirit gets stronger and stronger with God. And our confidence in how we live our life is really because we're walking in faith every day. We're not walking by our circumstances, our feelings, or the negative things, but we're leaning on our faith in God that comes out of our spirit and our relationship with Jesus Christ. All this happened, the fivefold ministry, the building of the body of Christ, according to verse 13, all this goes on until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. <clears throat> Hopefully, maybe this week you could read 1 Corinthians 12, 4 through 11. talks about spiritual gifts. But I just really quickly wanted to, to cover this last point. Don't lose your spiritual heritage. Your spiritual heritage is part of your eternal destiny. Saul loses his inheritance as king. In 1 Samuel 13, 11 through 14, And Samuel said to Saul, after he had offered burnt sacrifices that only the priest is allowed to, What have you done? Samuel said. And Saul said, When I saw that the people were scattered from me, and that you did not come within the days appointed, and that the Philistines gathered together at Michmash, then I said, The Philistines will now come down on me at Gilgal, and I have not made supplication to the Lord, therefore I felt compelled, and I offered a burnt offering. And Samuel said to Saul, You have done foolishly. You have not kept the commandment of the Lord your God, which he commanded you. For now the Lord would have established your kingdom over Israel forever, but now your kingdom shall not continue. The Lord has sought for himself a man after his own heart, and the Lord has commanded him to be commander over his people, because you have not kept what the Lord commanded you. How sad it is to think, that we would forfeit an opportunity to serve God in a ministry, in a call that is beyond and bigger than our life right now. Judas, disciple of Jesus, also missed out on his call. In Acts 1, verses 16 and 17, Peter said this, Men and brethren, this scripture had to be fulfilled, which the Holy Spirit spoke before by the mouth of David concerning Judas who became a guide to those who arrested Jesus. For he was numbered with us and obtained a part in this ministry. Again, Peter's reminding us that Judas had a call to ministry. He was a disciple. Perhaps healing came when he was one of those 70 couples or or, um, two people at a time that was sent out. He stopped short and abandoned his spiritual inheritance. Devastated over what he had done, Jesus took his life. He left his calling, his spiritual ministry. I've seen people turn from the Lord, setting their anger against God. 
In Acts 1.20, let another take his office. I sometimes wonder if those who are in ministry have stepped up in the absence of someone who refused their spiritual inheritance.